This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. Fear is one of those things that is uh, very custom-tailored to the person. I've said it once before, but I'll say it again. If I were to put my biggest fear into words, it would be this. I finally, finally risk holding my heart out, and you leave it dangling there in the air between us. That's not a fear I would have been able to vocalize as a kid, but as the years have gone by in a long lineup of potential things that go bump in the night, that one takes first place. So what are you afraid of? What have you been afraid of all along, but you're not willing to acknowledge? If there's anything we've learned, it's that there's something about bringing something to light that makes it lose its power. So as you listen in, Maybe it's time to acknowledge that even though you're an eight, there are things you're afraid of. That doesn't make you weak. That makes you human. Hi, everyone. Yeah, we don't have any episodes squirreled away at all. <laughs> we're, <laughs> we're flying by the seat of our pants, big time. So <laughs> I think we do our best by flying by the seat of our pants. That's when the good stuff comes out. Right. It's real, right? That's what we are. No, we're never going to get ahead. No. I'm not under any illusion that that is going to be a thing. So we're keeping it fresh. What have you been doing with your winter? Shouldn't tell anybody, but I have started doing yoga every day. But Okay, last I feel like last podcast I said, oh, I found Erin on the couch under a blanket and it was really weird. To hear. <laughs> so today I walked in, she's lying flat on her back in the middle of her living room floor. <laughs> But this time I was meditating. So at this point, I don't know ever what I'm going to walk into when I walk into this house. It's all sorts of fun these what days. What else am I going to find? What else am I going to try? Well, I've been cross-country skiing Ooh, up nice. a storm. And it is not, it's not like it's a big rush. <laughs> it's not the downhill thrill. That's not what it gives me. <laughs> nope. But it is what we have decided that we probably need more of, which is stillness in my head anyway because there's really not a lot of physical effort required it's very it's zen slow right yeah so it's almost like that yoga like it is slow. that's what it feels like you kind of get in a bit of a trance when you're doing it i highly recommend i I've really doing, do i've been doing a ton of walking like lots and lots of walking through the snow and walking through um i found some trails near our house that are through like farmers fields and forests that are untapped and so i just will go out and spend hours walking just, just Okay, so we're, we're going to go for it and talk about the thing we probably want to talk about the least, fear. This is what the dictionary would say it is. It's an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause pain or a threat. I laugh when I read this because that is just not the definition that I would have for fear. It would be like something more like fear is a useless emotion that gets in my way and it gets in the way of my badassery. um, So I have to kill it. I have to kill it (laughs) dead. I laugh at this quote because an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous. If I have an unpleasant emotion about someone that I think is dangerous, then I'm like, fuck off. To the emotion? To the emotion or to the person. I don't get scared scared of the emotion I you know I don't know you don't have any phobias maybe they'll come up as we talk about this no no you know by now not figure out I can be phobic at times of small spaces but to to think about it right now in this moment I can't tell you of a small space that would scare me caves there you go underwater caves going to Bonacher near us there's some underwater caves that you can swim through no thanks I did them as a kid no problem right now as an adult that that gives me the heebie-jeebies there you go 
You know, I have like a visceral reaction to spiders and I hate that because that's really stupid. And, <laughs> and my head can totally get around it. So if I approach a spider web of my own volition, I can look at it and marvel at it and oh, think funny. it's really interesting. The reason why I think the phobia jumps in is because they can fly down out of nowhere and dangle in front of your face. Like I didn't give it permission to do that. And they can, uh, they can show up in your bed sheets. And um, I have a story when I was a kid of seeing a spider sitting on the roof above my bed in my bedroom. And I decided to let it live, <laughs> which was a very magnanimous thing for me to do. That was not my usual. Yeah, I'm not afraid of spiders, but they don't live in my house. Well, guess what he did? Guess what he did with my generosity? He, he went into my mouth while I was sleeping. Ew. And when I woke up, it was far enough at the back of my tongue that I just kind of swallowed. Oh. <laughs> okay, that would be my phobia too if that happened to me. There's been like multiple times spiders, I feel, have come out of their way to attack me. There is not a single other animal on the planet I'm afraid of. I don't care about any... Snakes in water? Nothing. I, I play with See, snakes. There's another thing I don't like. I, I do not like snakes. Snakes bother me more than spiders, but I don't have a phobia. And I do not like when I know they're in the water when I'm swimming. That makes me a little... So when I learned that, that those uh, wolf spiders swim, <laughs> <laughs> that was a new kind of hell for me. <laughs> they're just not okay. Uh, the funniest thing, when I posted my phobias the other day, one of you, one of you said, thanks, I threw my phone. <laughs> I also just am unable to feel trapped in any way. So I no longer close the door in any washroom if there's no window. And that includes in a Starbucks. I will prop it. We are so excited to share something new we've been working on. We have now launched the Enneagram 8 community. This is a community where Enneagram 8s can come together to feel seen and heard for the heart of who they are. A place where you can just be you. If you're interested in joining us here, go to the Enneagram8community.com to sign up. Open. And I have had multiple old men walk in on me. And I'm just like, sorry, dude, I'm not shutting the door. Sorry you had to see that. But I will not do it. Or I'll, I'll have my kids like stand outside and keep it propped open a little bit. I was wondering if you are familiar enough with the physiology of fear to be able to describe what that feels like in your body. I tingle from the top of my head till the tips of my toes. Like I feel it all through my body. Mm -hmm. It's like a radiating pulse. Yeah. Is it similar to anger? Yeah. I would say it is similar to anger. Oh, anger. Anger comes in red for me, like red hot. I would say the only difference, because it does feel the same, is that fear is cold and anger is hot. And, and your mind goes blank in both situations for the most part, except my body reacts really quick when I'm afraid. I, I do respond really quickly. I don't freeze. In the past, and I think it's part to do with the last five years of my body not being well. It's just, I don't feel strong. So I don't know if I have a means to conquer it maybe. And then therefore I freeze. Instead of fight. Instead of fight. Mm -hmm. How about the concept of fear in general? Um, how do you feel about fear in yourself? And how do you feel about it in other people? As with most things, I'm kind of okay when other people have feelings and emotions and stuff that I think are weak. If they have them, they don't seem weak. But if I have them, they're weak. It's not that I don't like people that are scared of life. I don't understand it. And so it's hard for me to relate 
and that would be more it's i have i have lovely lovely friends who are phobic sixes and i mean it, it is what it is i just can't relate to them so we can never kind of have a friendship on a level that i might have with you or or someone who's not phobic maybe because it stops us from doing what we're going to do right? i was going to say for me i'm irritated yeah people who are frightened people annoy me and i think it has a lot to do with in a way i'm i'm pitying them because it feels like they're not living a full life but it is especially a problem if i feel like they're slowing me down and i think that's that's where, where i'm coming from i think the enneagram has given me a lot more understanding for the six and i, I know i've said before my husband is a six but he is not a scared six so it's he would stop you from doing a lot of things because of his fear. He does. He does. That's where it stop shows me up. From doing he would, things. He yeah, would want you fear. to put the brakes because that's his one fear, I think. But they're be. usually big things. Like, yeah, when I want to fly somewhere by myself, then he gets really worried. And it doesn't, it never stops me. <laughs> he, we just went away for a weekend and he was nervous. Yeah, he's always so nervous. So it's when just I go very away. present. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the difference is that when I'm around in here, his his anxiety doesn't show up. Exactly. Right. So mm-hmm. I don't feel ashamed of rational fear. So if I am on a plane and the plane is having engine trouble or whatnot, which has happened to me, I was petrified on that plane. I'll still get on a plane. I will still think about getting on a plane. Um, it won't stop me, but I do not like flying anymore. And flying was probably one of my favorite things up till two years ago when I was in this horrible but I'm okay with that. I can be scared of that and that doesn't bother me at all. I can be scared of my kid being sick with Lyme disease. That terrified me. And I don't freeze. I go completely into fight, right? And that doesn't bother me. I'm terrified and that's that's not a problem. I got in a car accident with my daughter where I saw the, the car coming straight for her door at full speed. And thankfully, he slammed on the brakes at the last second and only went into her door a little bit. That terrified me. I have no problem with any of those things. <laughs> When I'm terrified that I'm going to lose a friendship, blah. Well, we'll get into that because that that is ultimately what we're really afraid of. Um, So childhood and fear. um, How would you say fear showed up when you were a kid? And did your parents have a role to play in any of that? I have very little memory of being scared of anything as a child. And I think that my parents, while they probably needed to be more transparent with us in terms of their relationship, in terms of how they dealt with things, because we never saw conflict or anything, but it it gave me a really stress-free, fear-free childhood. And I was surrounded by family and I was surrounded by um, love all the time and people. And I just don't remember being afraid ever. My mom, I don't know if my mom's a fearful person. She's a nine. I don't think she was scared, but she wasn't brave in my mind, right? Like she just was there. Uh, my dad was the type of person that he stood up for what was right. He fought back. He, no matter what, if he felt he was in the right. And so it did do damage to some of his relationships or, you know, in organizations where he went into into a position where he could make changes and people didn't let down the line, were angry and they didn't like the changes. I remember that affecting some relationships, but I think I grew up with a very good example of being able to stand up for yourself and stand up for what is right at any cost. My trajectory was actually being a kid that had a bunch of funny phobias. I remember I had to be almost thrown into a pool the first time, and yet I became a competitive swimmer. And I really didn't want to do Wonderland. I, I stayed on kiddie coasters the first time I went. And then 
suddenly, a few years later, I'm going on the scariest ones. Yeah. Very six-ish in the sense yeah. that I remember I hated my own fears. I would feel fears, hate them, and then set about conquering them. How can I trace that to my parents? I don't know. I, I had a mom who was able to speak truth to power. That's where I saw her as being very brave. She would say what needed to be said to anybody and that felt very brave to me. But then again, when I thought about her relationships, she didn't, she was so guarded, she never really had a real friendship. So I've learned that that takes courage. And if that's courage, she didn't have any because she didn't let anyone in. Is it brave to tell people what you think they need to hear at all costs? I see that as an eight superpower is to be able to speak truth to power. I think we're known for that. And somebody does have to do it. It's just also not a mark of courage for us because yeah. we're not afraid to do it. It's yeah. more intuitive to do it. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, I think it's like breathing. Um, and so that's not a mark of courage for me. And then as for my dad, who was the two, he sure didn't do any of that. And mm. neither of them were courageous physically. Like we were a family where neither parent did any, any extreme sports or my dad never learned to drive, never learned to swim and couldn't be persuaded to try new things at any point. And so I definitely didn't have what I saw as like parental role models of courage. Uh, not, not in any sense that I valued at the time. Maybe I, I even from when I was a little, I just remember having a lot of funny fears and hating that about myself and then making sure that I could find a way to conquer them. And some I did, and some have gotten worse. <laughs> some have gotten worse. I know, I have this like feeling of like, I really need to fix this, you know, because us eights can fix anything. And I just want to take Joe and bring her in an elevator and make her sit there for four hours. What do you call that? Immersion therapy or yes, um, exposure therapy? Yeah. yeah, when I have thought about that, <laughs> I would rather die. <laughs> I would just rather but die. But if we got you through those four hours, you wouldn't realize you survived. I bet you. Yeah, I believe it. I, I can it's see why it I'm work. a little bit terrified of going in there because I'm pretty sure you'd box the shit out of me and probably scratch my body I would take a lot of people down yeah. if they tried. Yeah, it's for sure. <laughs> Do you know they say eights don't take risks? Have you heard that? I don't think that's true. Yeah, so I really didn't like that when I heard it uh, and I still don't like it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's true. Yeah, I... I can think right now of five things I do or have done recently that I was terrified of and not Oh, look at me. I have fears. Um, <laughs> public speaking. There you go. Interesting. There you it. go. And I run meetings with the school, right? So I orchestrate the meeting and run it and I hate every second of it. So that's something I conquer every month and I still hate it every time. Yeah. So that's a risk to me because I'm putting myself out there. And you know, there we go again. It's vulnerability <laughs> every time. Oh, this, yeah, this has been going to become very clear that that's what this comes down to a lot of the time. When I thought about myself risking, what I've concluded is that the risk I take is always in the initiating. So I will initiate with anybody, anybody at all. Um, that's my way of offering myself up. Where the risk ends <laughs> is that if they, if I can do that full body scan and realize they're just not in, into it, they're not interested, or they think I'm beneath them, that's it. I'm done. So my risk extends only to the initiation. And if they fail, <laughs> if, they, <laughs> if they don't earn, <laughs> yeah, if they don't prove themselves, I guess, to be a place that I want to be.
I, I will never go back in again, I don't think. So I think I too risk myself, but I would say I, I take risks with a leveled amount of awareness. I feel like I'm very aware. Yeah. And that is why they say we don't risk because it's always calculated. There's a sense in which we're weighing the odds or something. And because we're so tuned in, we're so keyed in, we retreat the moment the risk is too high for right. our hearts. Right. And that's that's what it comes down to, right? So with you saying you initiate, I don't initiate. I sit back and I wait to see who I feel safe with and then I initiate or I reciprocate. But if I don't feel the connection, if I don't feel that gut, you're safe, I'm out. Mm-hmm. And I will I will sometimes go back there and try again. And then I remind then I'm angry at myself for putting myself back in the same position for a second time. Mm-hmm. I, I would say that scares me. This fear of putting myself in positions where I'm trying to give and I'm getting nothing back and I know it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder if it's fair to say the risk we take is more of a impulsive jump in, which is what we do. It looks risky from the outside. What people are seeing is that we're just always stepping in to the thing. But because we are making so many fast paced calculations in our whole body, like with every sense we have, it's not really a risk because we are like a well, we are a really fine machine Mm -hmm. when it comes to calibrating the safety of our hearts and bodies. But I agree and I disagree. And I don't know if this is a social thing more but I often get it wrong at the beginning. Uh, in the negative sense, in that you'll you'll measure them as unsafe first. Measure them as not safe, but I'll ignore my gut feeling in order to accommodate their level of comfort. And that's a fault I have. I am really aware, and I think this is the social thing, of the people around me and their comfort level. And I will do anything at all costs to try to make them feel comfortable before I will take care of my own needs. And that's something I'm working on. That is social eight. And I, and I hate it. And then I'm angry at myself. So that would be a fear of mine. A fear is that I do those things. Yeah, mine would be that when I do give myself, it's a thousand percent. So sexual eights are known for that. Is once you're in, we want all of you. And, and I mean all of you. <laughs> Your soul. We want it to be completely entwined with ours. And um, that, I, I can't help it. I don't know if I'll ever be able to not be that way. And it comes with great risk because most people don't want the same thing. Um, most people can't handle that level of intensity and they start to pull away. And, and a lot of people don't know how to go to that level of intensity. No, they, they, no they might not have it in them. Yeah. That's right. And then the, the pain of that and feeling really dumb for having even thought that was a thing and feeling like rejected is so high. Um, and so that is a risk, but at the same time, it's compulsive. So I don't, I'm not even giving consent to it. If I find someone that is a match energetically, or there's like that thing, that's it. I'm in, you know? I still think it's risk. We're still saying, here's all the things I feel, and I'm still going to offer it out there. At the end of the day, even though we're making all these calculations, we're still putting ourselves in a risk, a place of risk for our hearts. Always. It's true. I do have a choice because I could yes. I could absolutely have assessed that there was potential for that with this person and walked away. Absolutely. But I almost, I, I honestly, almost always try. Yep. I, I wonder if that is an eight thing that we do almost always try. Yep. To a fault. Mm-hmm. You know, letting letting go of people is a real gift too. And I, I don't think I learned that till very recently. Same. Because if you know, if someone could just see me, and if they really saw my heart, they would understand me and they would they would want this too, right? 
but no, they don't and they maybe they won't and that's okay okay well let, let's think about it physically then physical risk what does physical risk look like in your life okay what did it used to look like now everything's risky for you <laughs> there was no physical risk in the past i just did what i was gonna do how i was gonna do it and i made it work whatever i wanted to do right now i am in this very weird place of being not strong and i'm trying to be okay with that and that is such risk for me yeah that makes me scared it's scary it's scary to not be physically strong for me uh, but I have no choice and I'm trying really hard to change the dialogue to that that is actually not a scary thing or and I will get strong again. <laughs> Just got to put that back in there because I have to be. I'm willing to try just about anything as long as it feels like I have some control over the outcome physically. So I can trace a very clear divide between the extreme sports or, you know, adrenaline junkie activities that I will do and the ones I won't. So I will rock climb, I will zip line, I will paraglide or hang glide, I will whitewater raft. I will not jump out of a plane, I will not bungee jump. I'm not sure rationally that I have any more control when I'm whitewater rafting. I will not bungee jump. Okay, so we're the same Never, that way. ever been an option for me. Now skydiving would you? I would, because you still have a control over like no, you don't. moving and pulling the parachute. No, so long as it comes out. Exactly. Do you see what I mean? You've got no control. You can't decide said, to climb back up into no, the sky. But I always said skydive, way way before bungee jumping, which I would just never do. I would never ever bungee jump. I've never thought it was desirable in any way, shape, or form. Uh, the only thing I can see that is a common denominator between the things I will and won't do is that I feel like I'm in control of the machine I'm using in some of those cases. Um, yeah, whereas you jump, you're jumping. <laughs> you're, you're just jumping and that's it. That's so it. hang on. What do you think of someone who jumps? I respect it. Really? I, yeah, I think they're I, so stupid. Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> no, when... Um, Why the hell would so you So my that? two friend, my two friend, Kate, she's done all those things. Seriously? Yeah, without any fear at all. And I, I envy that. Wow. There's something about the courage to just jump. You know, in movies, they say, just jump. Yeah. And they're talking emotionally. And I'm like, no, don't do it. Yeah, <laughs> Why would so you true. just jump? No, Calculate you, all the risks yeah, first. Absolutely. <laughs> Figure out how to be in control. That's wild. I, I don't know. But that's a, that's a real thing for me. All right. When was the last time you remember being afraid? I do not like to admit that my headspace has been more jumpy lately in a way that it's never been before. I really truly usually wake up and the world feels wide open with fun possibility and excitement and now everything feels threatening and that's just where my head's at. And so I am preemptively trying to protect my family in weird ways that I have never done before. I'm trying to figure out how to exit the house if someone's at the front door. All that to say, I ordered one of those driveway laser alarms okay so if something crosses the laser it alerts you okay yep and <laughs> so you have animals this sounds like a really good idea in the forest <laughs> everything about it has gone wrong <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just, just if the wind blows <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the leaves fly across. Uh huh. Okay, so I, I, do, I always have to learn the hard way, okay? <laughs> always. That is the theme of my life. And so it's installed at the mouth of the driveway. Honest to goodness, if a army of killers walked up the driveway and set it off, we'd have an extra 20 seconds. That's all it would buy me. Totally irrational. <laughs> But it put you back in control. It felt like I was doing something. Yep. Exactly. So two nights ago, it was two in the morning and the thing went off. And I shot <laughs> out of bed so fast. I have proven over and over I'm a fight, not a flight person. <laughs> so I tore out of bed, went straight into my toddler's room and stood at the window <laughs> and watched the driveway. There was zero happening out there. Like nobody was there. <laughs> but then I couldn't sleep for another hour as I'm listening to the front door and like waiting for sounds and things like that. So that's so funny because I kicked my husband. <laughs> There's something going on outside. I have visualized before what would happen if someone came in the in the house and it would be me fighting. Yeah. Yeah. Aiden and I both. We would both be fighting. I would logically serve more of a use by going to gather my kids and get them out a window or something. But in my visualization, that's never what's happening. <laughs> I am jumping off our second story onto their head or hitting them with a baseball bat. <laughs> How about you? Can you remember the last time you felt that oh, zing of fear? It's just a hard world right now. It's definitely over loss of control. Not being able to make decisions that I think are right for my kids really, really kills me. Feeling like I'm not in a position to help myself because of the rules of the world. And that's scary when I cannot... Well, yeah, when I cannot help myself because someone else has taken that power from me, that's scary. And relationally. Does it fit into the category of feeling trapped? For sure. The other fear you were very much involved in this one, you helped talk me out of it, was when something had ramped up to the point where I was being called upon to go to a meeting with a room full of men who were very Ugh. toxic and very powerful intellectually and had, had a lot of power over me in a lot of ways, emotional power, childhood attachments and mm -hmm. things. And um, I was getting ready to walk into that room and sit with these men. Because you're a fighter. Where I yeah, would have been no, torn apart. Was not the right Right. Thing. So the feeling in my body that happened when I got that message inviting me to go sit with these men was no different than being trapped in an elevator. Or yeah, I guess It was so. the same feeling in yep. my body. Yep. Just this is going to be a side note because I think we all need to hear it. And it's something Joe and I are learning later in life. It's okay to say no. That's what I learned. Right? It's okay to say, that's not safe for me. Moment, I'm not going. Yeah, the moment I gave myself consent to say no, I immediately felt free. And it didn't feel weak. I was going to say, in the past, I think we have associated that with, I'm too weak to go into the meeting. Yes. If I walk away, it's just because I'm afraid. That's right. Right? Yeah. And it took you pointing it out, though. So grateful for that. I would have gone. Oh. Yeah, I would have gone. And it... it um, and all our listeners right now are like, no, everything you described is like... <laughs> And, and what would have happened is they would have ripped me to shreds emotionally and with their intellect. Absolutely. So if any of you can relate to that, I'd rather be punched. And for nothing of your doing. That's no. the part that's crazy. But too. my mind might have spun mm -hmm. out to the point where I was gaslit it. and thought mm -hmm. it was me and walked out of yep. there just, yeah. Anyway, so that yeah. that's all very much. I think everybody listening to you retell that will feel that in their body. Mm -hmm. This is what the Enneagram Institute has to say about eights and fear. So eights 
have a fear of being harmed or controlled by others. Although, to some extent, eights fear physical harm, far more important is their fear of being disempowered or controlled in some way. Eights are extraordinarily tough and can absorb a great deal of physical punishment without complaint, yet they are desperately afraid of being hurt emotionally, and they will use their physical strength to protect their feelings and keep others at a safe emotional distance. Beneath the tough facade is vulnerability, although it has been covered over by layers of emotional armor. I have so much to say about this. Let's hear it. (laughs) First, I don't think there's a whole lot of places where when they quote eights that they get it all right. This feels all right to me. It brings back this memory of me in high school and I was figure skating. And I just remember the torture I put myself through on the ice and it didn't bother me at all. I was black and blue, but if I was going to get a jump, I was going to get a jump. It didn't matter how black and blue my body became or how beaten down I was or how worn out. I just, I fought through all of it. It wasn't a trial to do that. People thought I was crazy, but it didn't feel hard. You were in control of that decision. You decided to put Mm -hmm. yourself through all that. Absolutely. And so no problem. Yeah. No, it didn't bother me at all. But talking about desperately being afraid of being hurt emotionally, (laughs) right? And this is when we talked about fear. I tried to come up with stuff I'm afraid of and it's so hard. But you want to talk about stuff I'm emotionally afraid of? It's everywhere. And up till two years ago, I probably wouldn't have known that. No, I remember you telling me you'd never really lost anyone and you'd never really had a whole lot of friction in relationships until the last few years. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, I'd had a whole pile of it. So I was like, (laughs) what are you talking about? Isn't that normal? Um, And so I've been watching you and hurting for you as I watch you have to learn all this for the first time. It's painful to watch because I remember what it felt like back in the day. Everything we go through really does have lessons for us, right? And so while I would never choose to lose relationships, I've lost a lot. And I've learned a lot in the last few years. I've always been in control. It's always been my choice to to move somewhere different or move forward or backwards. But I lost all that control. And I'm kind of grateful for it. I'm a boxer. A lot of you know that by now. And um, any of you who box know this weird feeling of being quite exhilarated when you get hit. You've decided to go into the ring. And you've decided that you're there to be hit and to hit back. And I would say that's more or less how I feel about physical harm is if I have signed up for and I I go out of my way to sign up for things that are physically grueling, then whatever pain comes, I'm a-okay with no problem. And and it takes a whole lot for me to retreat or stop. (laughs) So anyway, physical harm is when I've given permission, or it was my idea. I'm, I'm totally fine with it. There's nothing about that that's scary, as long as I'm on my feet, if I'm standing, and I'm free to defend myself. So in old movies like Gladiator, where there's like hand-to-hand combat, I completely feel like I'm one of those soldiers, and it would be an honor to do that. And I wouldn't be afraid to die if I had a sword in my hand, no problem. <laughs> but the fear comes at the thought of having no defense, having no options at all. So I cannot watch torture scenes. I cannot watch rape scenes because they take away every option you had and then they hurt you. And I think most of us will agree that that is, um, obviously it's a human fear, but for eights it goes really deep when we put so much stock in being defenders and protectors and and having a lot of um, offensive power and strength. I wonder how many of us would be more damaged psychologically as eights if that happened than other types, because we put so much of our armor on to avoid that. Come at me, (laughs) but uh, make sure my hands are free to punch you. 
Here are a few of the things that you said you're afraid of. Being helpless, powerless, not being able to do a single thing to change it. Being at the mercy of the consequences of someone else's decisions. Not knowing or being caught off guard. Not snakes, not heights, not massive public dislike, not physical pain, even to the extreme, not public speaking, not speaking out or speaking up, not of being different, only the one thing, and you've said it before, holding out your heart and it dangling in the silence, out in the open air, unanswered. Not being in control of my own body. I hate feeling manipulated. I'm always afraid of that being stuck in a position where I have to violate my own stance to surrender to someone else and I know it's wrong. I'm afraid of being wrong about people. Being abandoned, I block myself off from forming deep connections so that it will not hurt as much if they decide to leave. Committing injustice, not being up to the task on anything, being violated, losing a child, not protecting my loved ones, of being trapped or caged. I'm afraid of being betrayed after someone tells me it's safe to let my guard down. I thought it would be interesting to actually read out the other types, core fears, and see if we relate to any of them. And I think it it will actually serve the purpose of showing how different types are in their core fears, because I found, for the most part, I didn't relate to most of their fears, but it was interesting to see what came up. What are the one's core fears? So the one's core fear is being wrong or bad, cutting loose, losing control, being unqualified, being corruptible, or being condemned. Mm, Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, how do you feel about being wrong? Yeah, I have no problem being wrong. I can own being wrong pretty easily. Yeah, me too. The thing that came up is um, I could picture myself saying something and being ridiculed for it. And that is a really terrible feeling. I think too, if I harmed someone in my wrongness, or I brought pain to somebody because I did something and I was in the wrong. Yeah. But as for like always being factually correct about something, not a problem. Tell me I'm wrong. I'm okay. Fine. I'm factually incorrect a lot. All the time. Yes. No problem. (laughs) I can own that story. Yeah. No problem. How about um, losing control? No. I I rarely feel like I lose control in a way that would cause me to be worried or scared. Yeah, I was going to say, I guess I'm afraid for the other person in the room if I lose control, (laughs) but I don't feel like I do lose control a lot. For me, that looks like being reactive. And so I I hurt people's feelings. I think others might perceive us as losing control when we feel all the emotions and we're trying to get someone to see where we're at we can be very aggressive in that way, right? So for someone else, they may think, oh, they're not in control. I feel pretty in control, usually. Um, And then again, yeah, it doesn't feel scary. It feels good to be intense. Wait, do you really feel in control when you're super angry? Anger for me looks like reactivity. And I have been so accustomed to pausing now when I'm angry and not reacting until I've thought it through, that I would say it's not really a thing in my life. Yeah, I think my husband. Used to would, be. I think my husband would wish that it was the same for me. <laughs> you guys are good at fighting. <laughs> yeah, we are very good at fighting. 
I'm just thinking, like, if I feel out of control, it is usually when I am enraged with anger. And it's not necessarily that I show that I'm out of control, but I feel in my body that I cannot regulate my emotion, which makes me angry. But I don't, I don't put it out on people. In fact, I never put it out on people other than maybe my husband. <laughs> Being unqualified. No, I'm always unqualified. <laughs> this whole podcast is unqualified. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I measure my own qualification for things. I really don't care if you say I am. Or Take I'm it not. or leave it. Like yeah. you can you can come here and listen to, and this is kind of how I feel about our podcast. Come here and listen. If you've got something out of it, great. Nothing here is rule. It's all up for discussion. And, you know, we're all doing our own thing in the world. We've also named our qualifications. We've said, here's why we're qualified. We're eight. Yeah, that's that's it. about it. We're qualified because we're eights and we're going to be honest about what we're good at and crappy at. That's it. And so I think that's it. I just name, I name my I qualifications. I always name it. Own I name, them. And going back to the like, afraid of being wrong, like knowing I'm wrong, I will often say things and say, but who knows? I could be very well wrong. Okay. Being corruptible no. or condemned. I know that doesn't even register. <laughs> I read that and I'm like, uh, yeah, we're, we're all pretty Corrupt. shitty sometimes yeah. and so yeah yo own it deal with it yeah i feel the same way <laughs> that's right and nobody can condemn me that's how i feel there's nobody who has the power to condemn me on earth okay so on the whole we are not relating to one fears that would be my summary okay let's read the two fears so twos fear being worthless needy unhelpful unacknowledged and disconnected. So everything makes me squirrely. Every word there is like, ah, yuck. Yeah. So if you were to pick one or two of them that you think might have some... Disconnected. Yeah? Yeah. Well, I thrive on connection with others, right? Like yeah. real authentic connection is really big. So if I was disconnected, that would feel yucky. But being worthless, not usually. Being sicker and being weak has put me down a path where sometimes um, I do worry about that which I have never in my life worried about being worthless. So you and I have often said we don't like feeling like we're useless. That's the word yeah, we use. Yeah, I don't use. think that's the same as worthless. No, no, worth is like a deep down inherent sense of self. And we have a lot of it. We do. But when you take away my strength, which is a big part of our identity, then there's a gap there. And that's where I think that worthlessness, am I still worthy if I'm not capable yeah, as for being unhelpful, much like the unequipped thing, I think we are pretty clear on what we're good at and what we aren't. And yeah. so when we offer help, it's because we know we actually have something yep. to offer. And otherwise, we just wouldn't offer. Yep, I agree with that. So it doesn't, it's not something that comes up a lot. Being unacknowledged annoys me. Like I, it kind of bugs me sometimes when I'm not, but I don't do anything about it and I'm not afraid of it. I think to do something about it would be weak. Yeah. Take it or leave it. I, I agree. I would bother me too, but I would never do a thing about it. In the end, I essentially give my own self a pat on the back yeah. and say, good job. You did good, kid. And then that's it. I don't need you to On the flip me. side, Joe and I, when we get these podcasts, like random podcast messages and they just rave, there's like nothing better. <laughs> We're going to share one that actually choked us up a little bit. I'm going to actually share that this week. As for the disconnection, yeah, I was going to say that I think that is a scary thought. Ultimately, being disconnected is a fear. It's that we are so good at shielding against it that it doesn't come up a ton. So I cultivate my own sense of independent strength and autonomy so that I rarely feel like I need to be as connected. Being social, I have never, ever been that way. I've always had my 
people, my close friends beside me the last few years is where that's kind of been stripped back a little bit. I have learned those skills now to be self-sufficient and not need to chat things out with people. And right. I'm, I'm constantly wanting to bounce things off others. And I have, I'm starting to learn to figure it out for myself. Yeah, I feel like I've spent a lot of my young life cultivating being okay on my own right. or something, which yeah. has shielded me a little bit from the Whereas disconnection. I, yeah. I spend my time just making sure I maintain connection. Okay, why don't you read the three? So the three is failure. Oh, failure, period. <laughs> <laughs> just failure. Being incapable, inefficient, a nobody, or unable to do. Hmm, any this, of those? Oh, yeah, I resonate a lot with three, I think. I wonder why. Uh, I think I do resonate with a lot of this. I don't like to have failure. I can own failure, but I don't like failure for sure. Being incapable is probably one of my biggest fears, depending on what it is. If it's something that I don't feel is mine, then I don't care. But if you were aiming for it and you fell short or like couldn't fulfill it or... Yeah. Inefficient? I am not inefficient, so that doesn't bother me. Mm -hmm. uh, a nobody? I could care less. Unable to do? It's probably my biggest fear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Okay. On the whole, I didn't relate to any of it. I don't care if I fail. I've like learned to laugh at myself and I don't care. Um, being incapable, it's annoying, but if I can't get it done, I don't care. I move on. And I feel very much like a somebody to me. So I don't <laughs> care if you think I'm a somebody. But the part I relate to is the thought of being hogtied so I can't do is really scary. So this goes back to what you were saying about losing your strength. For me, something that would happen to my body so that I couldn't get up in the morning and do what I want to do is, is very scary. So it's not about accomplishing. I am the least goal-oriented person I know. I don't aim for something. And so I, I really never fail because I don't aim for anything. <laughs> but yeah, to lose my freedom to be able to do, to just go do is mm -hmm. the only part of the three that I, mm -hmm. I relate to. So interestingly, given that four is in my tri-type a lot, I did not relate to as <laughs> a single one of the four fears. So let, let's read them out. Fours are afraid of being easily understood. They're afraid of being easily liked, being ordinary, too happy, and too satisfied. <laughs> so the notes here say, nope, just nope. <laughs> I would have to say I concur. Nope is right. No, no, no. I don't relate to any of that on any level. I would like to add something. If I'm channeling my tri-type, I think maybe um, whoever wrote this list is missing the heart of the four a little. I think you're right. What I think... I do relate to that they didn't actually say is that being forced to fit a mold or adjust to look like the rest of the crowd and just do it for the sake of the crowd is actually a personal nightmare. I actually don't know if it's possible for me to do it. <laughs> yes, I would change being ordinary to being forced to fit a mold or something to lose your individuality and your authenticity. So I'm going to say they did a disservice. And I'll try and remember who they are because I don't remember where I got this. But, um, but we're qualified. <laughs> <laughs> I was super qualified. <laughs> All right. right. Fives, core fears. Intrusion, emptiness, ignorance, surplus, depletion, being fully embodied. Annihilation, not existing or obligation. So I don't, I do not relate to fives. No, I feel like how could one ever be empty? And if there's something I don't know, oh, well, I don't know. Well, and empty, I just go fill myself up somewhere. Sure. <laughs> I will never run out or be depleted. I, I realize you have a different 
uh, take now that you've got sick. As you say that, I'm like, (laughs) don't ever say never. (laughs) Yes, I know, I know. Um, And then, of course, the more embodied we are, the better. I do not like to be hemmed in to obligations, but it's I'm not afraid of that. It's just yeah, annoying. I agree with you. I just yeah. think it's annoying. Especially when they become repetitive obligations. For yeah. sure. That is definitely not a fear, though. Mainly because we're super good at getting out of it or just saying no. I, I don't or think stopping. we get hemmed into obligation a whole lot. When once we're hemmed in, we're not good anymore. No, you we're don't want that for us. Trust me. You don't want it for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I really related to a lot of the six fears, so whatever that means. So sixes are afraid of being blamed or targeted, being physically, emotionally abandoned, uncertainty or chaos, social anxiety, things going wrong, missing something, being alone, and submission. What I don't relate to is I don't feel like something's missing. If things go wrong, I'm like, that's exciting. Uh, And I pivot. So that's fine. I don't have social anxiety at all. However, all the rest go pretty deep. Being forced to submit, I can't think of anything worse in the world, to be honest. Um, and being abandoned, because we're so hungry for connection. The thought of being all alone is maybe one of the worst, maybe one of the worst things. So there are two things on that list that actually might be some of the deepest fears I have. I would say those two things would be fears for me too, not on the same level, but but if I'm going to pick this apart, then yeah. yeah, for sure. Being alone is not a, although I kind of crave it these days, but. <laughs> Total abandonment. That's a whole other thing. Abandonment is a completely different thing. Oh, yeah. That would be horrible. All right. Sevens. Emotional pain, sadness, disappointment. They're afraid of being bored, of limitation, of being incomplete or missing out, being confined. I want to hear from you because you were high in seven. I'm high in seven. I really don't like emotional pain. I'm not afraid of being sad. I, I think the emotional pain, yes. I can say I would be afraid of, of being in emotional pain because I don't like emotions, period. Uh, disappointment? No, not afraid of being disappointed. Boredom? I, I don't get bored because I'll make myself not bored. <laughs> limitations? No, I'm not afraid of limitation because I kind of just plow through that. Uh, being imp- incomplete? No. Missing out? If I was one who missed out, maybe I would, but I don't miss out. I usually am the person running the show. I was going to say, you're the one that, that sets the party date and I hosts. Do. Yeah, so. yeah. And so I don't... And people don't forget you no. or us, typically. It, that sounds really egocentric, but I don't miss out. And being confined? Yeah. Being confined is not good for me. Any Anything, right? Like the theme of us eights here, being confined, being trapped, submission. <laughs> These seem to be our... They could probably all fall under our, our top as well. I think having the four in my tri-type means I'm I'm pretty comfortable actually in a weird way with emotional pain and sadness. It feels almost like um, a challenge that I don't mind tackling or sitting in, which uh, I don't think is super common with eights. As a teenager and in my early 20s, and even as a child, I was always drawn to sad books. Anything that made me cry, the movies that made me cry, and I would sit in it for days very four-like. But that was other people's pain. It wasn't your own pain. Yeah. And so I think it can be mistaken with eights as fourness, but it also could just be that we're relishing in a in an emotion that we can't sit in for ourselves, but we're sitting in it to feel it for someone else. So here's the thing. Four in my tri-type means I very much sit in my own pain. I'm like, I can name it. I can, I can tell you all, all about it and I can identify it. And I, there's something about it that feels very much part of me. 
So I was talking to someone with tri-type 874, and I'm 847, and that was our big difference. We had almost everything else in common, but I was more, almost felt like it was comfortable, whereas she was like, no, thanks. <laughs> and I'm having flashbacks now of you being so willing to go into the room with all these men who are going to annihilate you because... Yep. You can do it. So oddly enough, that that's actually a real piece for me. But other than that, having seven in my tribe type means that I, I do relate to not liking any of the rest of those things, but not being very afraid of them. Yeah, just confinement. No way. Confinement, very afraid of confinement. But yeah, none of the rest is scary, but I don't like any of them. Okay, so nine fears couldn't be more different than ours, I think. Um, so nines are afraid of conflict, being overlooked and ignored being loveless, complication of any sort, discord, being shut out, and inharmonious. Obviously, for us, conflict is not a scary thing. We kind of know what to do in conflict. What about being overlooked or ignored? So, so I don't think we ever are overlooked or I know, ignored. I was going to say, this is not And that's thing. not ego. It's just typically not a thing. It, we can be deliberately not invited somewhere, but even that is a sort of attention. It's like a deliberate, <laughs> I don't want you, yeah. no, but we're never true. forgotten and we're never ignored. Yeah. That's not even a thing. So, yeah, I don't know what's worse, deliberately being asked not to be there or being forgotten. When someone's made me their enemy, I feel like I'm somebody. I'm like pretty important. <laughs> I'm on a, actually like a lot of enemy lists and I'm like, <laughs> I, I'm a real somebody in this world. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I think complicated things are interesting. So I'm okay with that. Yeah, uh, Nothing is too complicated. And there is something that comes alive in me when people are fighting with each other. I can step right into the middle of it. It's also because we have this power vision of being able to see the whole situation and just be like, I can fix this. Yeah. Because we're problem solvers. So I, uh, when things, everyone's getting along and it's hum de hum, I'm bored. I kind of like when there's... It's a little bit true. I know. <laughs> there's. I won't cause it. I've done a little bit of thinking about this recently, and I actually think a lot of it has to do with our what fills us up as being needed. And when there's conflict and discord, and we can come in and save the day or be of service, we're filling ourselves up that way. And when there isn't that opportunity, we're not getting that same filling. It feels like it was what we were built for. Yes. Well, right? We are. We are like built stepping for that. right in between two people that have guns aimed at each other, and and we are not afraid. I'm gonna break it down. And yeah, we're just like karate <laughs> chop the guns out of both hands. And anyway, okay. So know. my vision's a little different than yours, but <laughs> mine's usually more violent, right? Yes. So how do we want to close this out? What are the themes that have come up in our whole discussion about eights and fear? Well, I really think confinement in any way shape or form is being trapped yeah. and, and emotional pain mm -hmm. that seems to be the biggest things for AIDS right in a way you're not learning anything new here that's right out of a textbook that AIDS are afraid of um, being vulnerable and being rejected because of that and um, of being controlled yeah we'd use different words maybe but it they didn't get that wrong <laughs> none of the so experts got that wrong curious if you were to look back three years like at the very beginning of Enneagram reading and learning would you have said that was accurate about yourself? I never, ever related to the control piece mm -hmm. at all. It feels like I have never experienced in my life a feeling of being pinned down or controlled. Because no one has ever controlled you. Yeah. That's what you feel like, right? Right. So it's not a problem. Nope. Um, and so living the past year out, I uh, finally getting a taste of it. Yeah. 
I don't think that two years ago or three years ago when I was starting that I would have said that that was an issue. Um, how has learning about eight fears and whatnot, has it helped you overcome some of them or at least look at them a different way? I don't know that it's helped me overcome them, maybe, but it's shone a light on things that are real and made me have to be a little bit more introspective about them and uh, I guess kind of hold them a little differently. It's made me feel less gross about being afraid of some of these things. Like I said, when I was little, I'd be afraid of a room that was pitch black because I felt suffocated. Like I couldn't, it, it, same thing again, it was feeling trapped, like I couldn't find my way out. And, and when you uncover the psychology of an eight, it has given me a bit of respect for my fear. Or permission. Yeah. It comes from a place that is so much deeper than just the superficial thing that's in front of me. It's something very foundational and deep inside me. And I, I, don't, I don't think it's my job to just get over it. I think it has been my job to not beat myself up about it. And then it stopped me from beating other people up about their fears. I think there's a lot to be said for permission for eights. We don't give ourselves a lot of permission in anywhere. Do you know they say a big piece for eights is that we're, we're people that need to give ourselves consent. So we have to give ourselves permission to grow in certain ways. Otherwise, it'll never happen. Because no one else can give us the permission. We don't, we don't look for other people to give us permission. Permission for self-help or permission to feel feelings or felt really weak, right? But now, once we have, we've gone deeper into learning that these are the things that are actually really hard, kind of flips the whole thing on its head. And now it becomes the strength because they are so hard <laughs> to yeah. conquer. No, I think that might be one of the biggest gifts it's given for sure. Um, but also just the other day, a friend was talking out her phobia of dogs. It's a very body sense of terror when a dog's around and it didn't come from anywhere specific. It just, it's like me with spiders and her kids are starting to inherit it. And the old me would have been really annoyed by her fear of dogs because mm -hmm. it can't be further from a fear of mine. And she and I were talking about how different I am these days when I'm so much more tender towards her fear and accommodating by trying to make sure our dog's out of the way when they, I used to right. feel like it was an imposition. Mm -hmm. Her fear of my dog was an imposition on my poor dog who then had to be tied up. That used to be my right. old way. I didn't respect her fear. And now we joke. I'm like, all I have to do is imagine that my dog is a spider. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I respect your fear all of a sudden, because I sure wouldn't want to be greeted at, at your door with a giant spider. So when you no longer hate your fear, and you can just name it and, and accept that it's real, and it comes from a real place, then you can have a little more space for other people's fear too. Yeah, I agree. which we might not be good at. Naturally. I don't think intuitively we're good at it. But I think if we do the work, we can be very good at it. Yeah, I think it might be worth sitting and embodying your own personal fear over something, really feeling it, and then remembering that's what other people are, are feeling over their own particular fear. Mm -hmm. And it should hopefully put a little bit of compassion in us before we try and tell them they've got to jump off that cliff with us or whatever and not to be babies. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Okay. That's so that's lot. it for another week. We will be bringing you sunshiny um, <laughs> Probably not. cheer next episode when we talk about the shadow side and all the dark things about us eights. And then, uh, and then hopefully we'll move on into some growth stuff. So, <laughs> all right. We'll talk to you guys later. Take care. That's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface. And you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor. Oh,